Welcome to this episode of the Things That Matter Most podcast, where we dissect practical, spiritual, and cultural issues using Jesus's message as our starting point. My goal is that you would find yourself encouraged, challenged, and equipped to live more like Christ every day. My name is Pastor Isaac, and I have the privilege of hosting this podcast, and I know that it has been some time since we've released a new episode. However, um, I'm excited about what we're moving into today. I want to open up the book of Romans, which was written by the Apostle Paul, and look at a really unique chapter, um, which is Romans chapter 12. And he gives this message about the responsibility, but also the privilege that it is to be together as the body of Christ and to be giving gifts from God. And so I'm just really excited to just open my mind and my heart and kind of process this with you and share this with you. And so I really hope that you find this encouraging, that you find this equipping, and that at the end of it, you do walk away feeling equipped to be a better follower of Jesus. Well, like I had said before, it has been a little while since um, I've released an episode of this podcast, and this has been for a variety of reasons, but I'm looking forward to being able to release more episodes as we move into this fall season uh, of the year. And, you know, I've really been thinking recently about a number of things, and this is just me kind of opening my mind and opening my heart. One of the biggest struggles that I have um, being a pastor and being at the church is when I look out or when I'm with our church staff particularly and I look out and I just see like what appears to be, right, this is just observation, what appears to be a just general lack of maybe not necessarily a commitment, but a general lack of urgency in being involved in the church, Um, a lack of urgency in dedication to attendance to church and a lack of urgency in participation within the church, whether it be serving or giving or whatever it is. You know, one of the things I run into the most that I just personally see that really kind of stirs my heart, stirs my soul a little bit is uh, particularly with athletics. Sometimes I don't know how to handle um, students and parents or families that are just missing for months at a time because athletics for one reason or for another has been put at, I, th- I think it's appropriate to say a higher priority um, in, the, in the moment. I'm not saying a higher priority in life, but at least at a minimum, a higher priority than um, attendance in the immediate. And I say that because I recognize there are many extremely dedicated followers of Jesus that uh, maybe step away for a little bit of time to commit to something else or whatever, but I struggle with it and I struggle with processing it. And as I was working through a message for the youth ministry at my church, um, I stumbled, well, I say I stumbled, I really kind of came across Romans chapter 12. And as I came across it, I, I believe I kind of have seen it a little bit differently as this particular thing was on my heart. And in Romans chapter 12, the apostle Paul he kind of is like, hey, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, this is what this looks like. Like, this is what it looks like to have your mind changed by God and what it looks like to really be a dedicated follower of his. And so here's what I want to do. I want to break this down a little bit. Just the first eight verses of Romans as I just, like I said, kind of open my heart and and share my mind with you as I as I process this. So let me read this. I'm, I'm reading this out of the New Living Translation, which 
uh, is a translation I really feel is friendly um, to read. It's easy to understand and helpful to those that uh, may not um, be super comfortable with various versions of scripture. They're just a little bit more intense to try to understand. And so here's how this reads. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know what God's will for you is, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of this privilege and authority God has given me, again, this is the Apostle Paul talking, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with the body of Christ. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you a leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. And as I was really wrestling through with this idea of commitment and why, like if I if I have a conversation with you, what compelling reason do I have to say, this is why I think you should prioritize church above all other things? What I kind of realized and what I'll kind of work through here as I explain is that, you know, I don't really think that it's appropriate to have some sort of a um, convincing argument as to why you really should be involved in church. I don't think that that's my job or that it's the church's job to convince you to prioritize church above other things. Now, allow me to speak out of both of my sides of my mouth here. I believe that it is our job to be as compelling as possible in presenting as many options as possible for you to be involved, for you to serve, for you to worship, etc. But what I've realized is that sometimes identity gets too wrapped up in the things that we do or don't commit to, or say for myself personally, or sometimes for a church in the type of attendance we do or don't have on a Sunday or a Wednesday program or participation in a small group, whatever it is. And attendance, it plays this really interesting dual role because attendance is super important to measure, but it's not the greatest determiner of, of really of like reality, right? Because like you can be doing things really well, and there could be a marathon that day in town where people just don't come. You could be doing well, but people's spiritual lives are just kind of in a in a blender and they're not really sure exactly what to do. And so you have this kind of this mixture of your responsibility to be 
to be good, to present good, to do well, to have a compelling program, etc. And God's sovereignty in drawing people to himself and his responsibility to be in there. It's why I think that one of the best things we can do as believers is simply choose to be faithful to God and choose to, to say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to turn over um, I'm just going to turn this over to you because I can't be held responsible for the result. And if you are being faithful and you're being honest and transparent, and if you're seeking advice, and if you are truly doing everything that you can do in order to do well and to, and to do better, then I think that you can take peace and go, you know what, God, I'm giving, giving you all I can. I take great comfort in the apostle Paul when he's, you know, asking God, please take this pain away, please take this difficulty away, you know, with his, uh, he calls it his thorn in the flesh, whatever disorder or disability he had. It's interesting because the response comes back to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in weakness. And I don't like weakness. I actually rather hate weakness. I've gone through my own series of um, events over the past three years that have proved I'm not in control and I am very weak. And that's been tough, especially when it's things we do that are our own fault, where we sin or where we, you know, continually lose our temper with our children or with our spouses, or we just don't put the dedication to work that we need to or a test that, you know, we didn't try for. Now we're facing consequences when it's our own decisions that have kind of led us to this place of maybe like apathy or, um, you know, just just discontentedness, uh, then it really feel you know, the, the enemy really uses that to pull us down. And what the Apostle Paul says that the Lord told him was, my grace is sufficient for you. And I've been challenged with this. Lord, is your grace really sufficient for me? And as I look at Romans chapter 12, I, I really do come away from this encouraged. And so I just want to kind of dig through this because I think that it's so helpful. And so I think the first observation I have is that God wants us to become a new person. It's pretty clear at the beginning of this. Um, what the Apostle Paul says is, Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. And then in verse 2, it says, Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God, here it is, transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. God is in the business of making people who are his followers new people, taking you from an old person to a new person, from an unbeliever to a believer, from somebody that's unredeemed from the control and the penalty of sin to somebody that is redeemed, bought and paid for, transferred from the kingdom of darkness and brought over into the kingdom of light. He's into the business of making a new person. And new people, what we see is that they're separated from sin. Because it says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world, right? Because a new person doesn't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but God transforms them. Did you, did you hear this? Let God transform you by allowing him to get into your mind. Let him transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. See, I think that... A big observation about the first two verses of Romans chapter 12 is this, that God is looking not for those people who can muster up enough courage and energy to be a good follower of his, 
But God is looking for people who will willingly give their hearts and their minds over to him. Because it says, don't let your heart be, or don't let yourself, you know, be conformed to this world. But it says to change the way that you think. But rather, it actually says um, that God is the one who will transform you. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is pleasing and which is perfect. We give our bodies to God is what Paul says for all that he has done. And we don't follow the behavior and customs of this world. We let God transform our minds. And when we let God transform our minds, it's it's like a, um, a willful giving over of the scenarios in our life and of the things in our lives that we go through. It's saying, you know what, God, I have been trying to keep control of my life, of the things I believe, of what I want to do, of my future, of my relationships, of my children, of my spouse, of my school, whatever it is. I have been trying to maintain control of this for so long I'm burnt out. I just can't do it. I can't deal with trying to hold it all together by myself. And what God says is you need to give me your mind. Let me transform you. And what happens is when we say, you know what, God, help me to see the world the way you see the world. You can sit back and you look at your relationship with your children or with your parents or with your spouse. And you see, wow, man, maybe I really I'm using a tone of voice that is just inappropriate for that. Or at work, you can see maybe you're being a bit passive aggressive in your communications. Or the joking that you intend to just kind of push a little bit for a laugh is cutting a little bit deeper than you think it needs to. right? Or then, then, then you really maybe wanted it to or maybe then you were aware that it was. All the little things in life, what God says is, I will help you see those things differently so that they're not so that they're they're not functioning like they're out of this world. And really what I see in this is that we need to become who God desires us to be. And we become who God desires us to be by first and foremost allowing him access to our minds and to our hearts in effect, right? The two kind of work together. But when we say, God, I want to think the way you think, help me to understand the way that you would live, the way that you desire for us to live. I want to give my body to you, to give my mind to you, to give my life itself as a living and holy sacrifice, offering it up to you. Because I know that you have a better plan, or at least I want to believe and I hope do you have a better plan in store than anything I can come up with? Because it's just not been cutting it the way that I've been trying to live my own life. And so the Apostle Paul moves on and, you know, the first is giving over our minds. But then I think that it really is important that it, it says to, um, to be who it is that God desires us to be. So, Paul continues in verse three, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. Let me stop there. This is extraordinarily difficult. Very, 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 very difficult. We are masters of self-deception. We tell ourselves lies all the time, lies that um, prevent us 
from becoming who God wants us to be and lies that um, hold us down in bondage because they hurt us. So we go both ways. We both say the things we do that are wrong or that hold us back from God aren't that big of a deal. And we undervalue and we devalue um, the way that God does want to use our lives in a way that he is working with us. We do both. We go to, to both ends and we say neither of these things can be true, right? We are masters of self-deception. And that's why the Apostle Paul here says to be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. As I was thinking about commitment to church and as I was thinking about the importance of being involved in church and what is that compelling reason to sell to tell somebody to come to church this this is the verse I read that kind of read you know brought me into Romans and that's this idea that we are a part of a larger body we are only an individual part of a larger body and Uh, You know, the Apostle Paul talks about this a bit more in like Corinthians and some other places, which is, you know, if if the arm thinks it's a leg, this is paraphrased, this isn't exactly what it says, but if arm thinks it's a leg, you know, really what good is that, right? If your appendages are getting all mixed up in what they think they should be doing, then it causes problems. And in this context, what I think Paul is about to kind of point to with the Romans is like, listen, you're part of the body of God and the body of God needs you. And the first thing to do to really understand how you're needed is to have a is to have a healthy evaluation of your life. We think we fool others, but we really fool ourselves when we try to, um, you know, when we try to say we're good at something that we're not, or when we try to say we're actually doing okay in a way that we're not, or when we don't want to accept that we're good at something, or we don't want to accept a responsibility, we deceive ourselves. When we're struggling with sin that we don't want to give up, we kind of justify it, you know, but we think we fool others, but really all we're doing is we manipulate ourselves because we are held to God's standard and we don't have permission to create our own standard. Here's the bottom line. We do not have permission to say the standard that we believe we should be judged by. We are held to God's standard. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote this to brothers and sisters in Christ. He wrote this to the church at Rome. And so we know that this was written to believers. And as followers of Jesus, we don't have the choice whose standard we're held to. We are held to the standard of Christ. And a huge part of that, and here's the way that this all ties in, a huge part of that is that we are responsible to each other. We're responsible to be a part of the community that God has put together. And selfishness will severely limit God's ability to use you and me. Selfishness hurts this so bad. And I can't say that all lack of like church attendance or church commitment is necessarily selfishness. But what I do know is that more often than not, and if you're honest, this has got to be true for you too. Otherwise, I'd be shocked. More honest than not, selfishness comes out in our lives in ways that, um, man, in ways that really don't seem like selfishness. Um, You know, when somebody asks you to go to a birthday party and you think to yourself, well, I really don't want to do that. That's not necessarily a bad type of selfishness. 
you know, but you know what we do? We, we try to deceive the whole situation, manipulate the situation. Well, I can't because dot, dot, dot. I can't because insert an excuse here. And I don't think that that's actually really appropriate to do all the time. You know, we deceive ourselves with our selfishness. I can't serve at church for this reason. Well, you know, um, I really think it's actually, uh, you know, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be able to be at church for a while. When the reality is that, well, I don't want to go to church for a while because I really don't want to miss football, or I can't go to a small group because, you know, you make up an excuse. But the real reason is secretive. I've I've talked about this recently um, at the church I'm at, and also like with our youth ministry that. Um, we often, you know, sometimes we just don't, we straight up don't speak truth because we're trying to hide, you know, whatever our motivation actually is. And that is, that is so dangerous, but it's because we struggle with selfishness so often and self-centeredness and a self-focus. And the bottom line is that what the apostle Paul is saying is that our job is that we are supposed to support and uplift the body of Christ. We are supposed to be a new creation functioning in an honest, transparent way with other people who are also new creations in Christ. And this all smashes together in this upcoming way. This is what Paul says in verse 6. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. And verse 8, if your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you a leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness, do it gladly. Here's the deal. God didn't call you to vaguely live for him. He called you to specifically live for him. Each individual has a purpose and a calling that is God appointed that only they can accomplish. And they have to be within the context of what scripture says you need to be in in order to accomplish that. And I really, really believe that intimate and committed involvement in the church and with other believers is crucial to this. This is not necessarily some like super convincing, compelling thing to be like, hey, you should come to church because God is going to richly bless you and multiply your finances and multiply your contentment and peace. But rather, it's a it's a compelling thing. Like the Apostle Paul says this, you know, right at the beginning, he says, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. I think that that's like the, t- the, the, the tone of this text is he's like, please please live out your function as a follower of Jesus. I'm desperate for you to do this. You know, how has God gifted you? I think that these specific gifts that Paul mentions here are unlocked by the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we can actually, even before salvation, we can see glimmers of the way that God might use somebody, the way the Spirit of God might unlock a passion or giftedness within somebody. And here's what I want to say, and I think this is like a big takeaway of this, is that your gifting is a privilege. It's literally a divine blessing from God. But your gifting is also a great responsibility. It is how God works in this world. Like, like 
the gifting that God has given to believers and the responsibility they have to be faithful followers, they're committed to a local community of believers to impact their communities and the larger community in the world for the gospel. Like that is literally how the church of Jesus Christ will grow. And that is how the individual members of the body will come to experience the fullness of what it means to be known by God and to experience the peace that comes in a community with God. Now, of course, God does whatever he wants to do. And I know for certain that there's this like weird dichotomy that's like your independent individual faith is so important. You're responsible for that. You can't be responsible for what other people do, right? But then there's this aspect that we don't have necessarily an individual faith. We have a communal faith together as fellow followers of Jesus that we push each other and we hold each other accountable. We're part of the same body. And if the hand is hurting, then the leg should be hurting. And if you're hurting, then I'm hurting. If I'm hurting, you're hurting. You know, we grieve with each other. We laugh with each other. And what Paul is saying in all of this is that we are a new person that needs to, in transparency, realize we're part of a body of believers that is so important because it's gifted to function in a unique and a special way. And so let me pull all of this back into all the stuff that I've really been processing over the past. Well, honestly, over the past several months, as this summer has kind of moved on and um, as we're as we're moving into the fall, I think that there is a direct correlation between a person's personal intimacy with, with Christ, the genuineness of their faith, and at least the genuineness of their experience with their faith and the feelings they have towards loneliness, anxiety, depression, difficulty, insecurity, um, a lack of affirmation, whatever it might be. I think that a lot of negative thoughts and feelings creep into our life in the absence where Jesus should be in our life. And, and, and I'm not talking like legalistically, like, well, if you're not praying, then God is going to, um, you know, punish you. Or, you know, if you're not reading your Bible, then blah, blah, blah. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking practically speaking. When you're not submerging yourself in your relationship with the Lord, the things that aren't of God are going to creep in. Because it's the presence of God that pushes those things away. And, you know, I, I really believe this as well, that like you are uniquely made to accomplish a God-given purpose, and the church uniquely needs you to accomplish that God-given purpose. It's a responsibility, and it's also a privilege to be gifted by God. And so let me let me just kind of wrap these, these thoughts up. I'm really appreciative of Romans chapter 12, as I've been thinking through, because you know, the bottom line is I don't have a super compelling reason to say, here's all of the reasons that you should be involved in church. And let me say this. I think that I could come up with something that would be convincing. But I think that what I would be doing is trying to take things into my own hands. Because if we're doing everything we can do to do well, to offer compelling opportunities, to pour in in the best ways possible— if, if, you know, if the church that you're involved in is being as faithful as they can be before God, then it's up to God for the result of that. You know, and as like, like I said, as I've been thinking about, you know, commitment, why to be committed to church? 
I believe it really is twofold. It is a privilege to know other followers of Jesus. It just is. It is a massive privilege to be able to be a follower of Jesus, to be given a supernatural gift to serve this world. When you experience community in church, it's unlike anything else. When you experience the presence of God in your heart and in your mind that just overwhelms you as you're working on going through a difficult circumstance in your life, or you're just praising, worshiping God for all that he's done. You know, you're singing out in praise or you're grieving in, you know, in whatever it is. Like when you're a part of a church, man, those blessings just flow in to be a part of a community of people that really loves you. It is a privilege, but it's a responsibility. I would impress upon every believer that if you're not involved in church and things regularly take priority over your commitment to church, I think, and I would believe that your experience and intimacy with Jesus is going to be hindered. Um, I want to wrap up by saying this. I am by no means perfect in this way. One of my greatest struggles in life has been that of selfishness, of self-focusedness and thinking about myself before others. And what I realize is that when I begin to have a difficult time, Um, When I begin to struggle with insecurities or when I begin to struggle with anxiety and depression and these sorts of things, what I realize is I've been spending way more time thinking about my own life than I have thinking about other people's lives. And what really happens is that I have slipped away from living out the purpose that God has for me in my life, which is to serve other people and to be a part of the body of Christ, to be a part of a body of believers. See, you can fail in that way while you're physically present, but it's really, really difficult to thrive in that way while you're physically absent. And, and you know, I started out by saying, like, I don't think that this is across the board, like, just because you miss church, dot, dot, dot. That's not what I'm saying. But what I want to compel is that as we think about this, this idea of what's, why is it important to be to church, I would encourage you that... If you feel as though something is missing in your life, one of the first things you need to do is to check how are you doing with your church commitment, with your vulnerability within the church, with using your gifts to serve the Lord within the church, and with allowing the Lord to work in your mind and in your heart by attending church and by being amongst the church which is the body of Christ, all these believers that the Apostle Paul talked about, all these people that the Apostle Paul said are part of the body of Christ, which is really wonderful. I encourage you, live out your purpose by God. You have a unique privilege and a unique blessing if you are a follower of Jesus um, to impact this world in a powerful way, to impact your church, to impact Um, the kingdom of God to impact your coworkers, your family, your children, your cousins, your teachers, um, your friends, whoever it is. And just to be an encouragement to your pastors or to your church, think about where is my commitment to church and how can I lean in more and support the church more and support those people who are spiritual leaders over me so that they know I am all in and so that the Lord knows You're working to become a new person who deeply and passionately loves him.
Well, I do hope that that episode of the podcast has been helpful to you and that you enjoy just kind of listening to this concept that the Apostle Paul laid out in Romans chapter 12 as he encouraged people to really be dedicated followers of Jesus and to realize that the way God gifts us is both a blessing and a responsibility. And so until we are together again, I want to say thank you for joining in on the Things That Matter Most podcast.